0: Shooter's Connection offers products for competition shooters by competition shooters. With over 80 years of combined competition shooting experience, Shooter's Connection is staffed by master and grandmaster shooters who live the shooting sports every every day. We offer same day shipping shooters connection also sponsors over 100 of your matches every single year. So when it comes to finding everything you need to compete as a beginner or a seasoned grandmaster shooters connection is the only name you need to know
1: online at ShootersConnectionStore.com. Just us tonight. Jeff was socialized out. You know, we had, there was a bunch of horticulture talk, I think in the pre-show last week. And I don't think think Jeff could take a whole lot more horticulture talk. So he said, I don't want those people back on. Isn't that what you told me?
2: Yeah, it's word for word what I said.
1: Yeah. No, not really. Uh, If you guys did not catch the last episode with Jeff and Potato, otherwise known as Real Jeremy, I think, and Tyler Turner and Jay Beal, it was it was actually really, really great. It was an entertaining but also insightful episode. So you guys you, should you seem go You so surprised, Jeremy. It. You're
2: like, it was actually good. Actually, even though I wasn't there, actually, it well, was pretty no, it. good. No, it's
1: not, <laughs> it's not that surprised. Uh, what I was disappointed. I was disappointed in you in that show. Are you? Are you? I was expecting more. And what I did not get is you let those guys just come off like they're friends, which – Look, I get it. Oh. Like they started talking trees and, and all this stuff, and they became best friends. Like, I think it yeah. was uh, what is that What is that movie? It's not Rocky. I know that. What is the movie where uh, Will Ferrell and the other guy step with curly brother. hair? Yeah, step, step brother. Is that it? Where they, like, we just, I feel like that happened with Tyler and Jay a little bit it last did. week. I watched it
2: happen. <laughs> I watched it happen. It looks like I was trying to try to get this beef going. It was going to be this rivalry. And like before I could even hit record, they were best friends.
1: Yeah. So that's, that was, that was my disappointment. I, I feel like you let them off easy and I think there's more beef there that they were being nice and polite. So maybe we can, uh, we can, we can encourage that beef to grow a little bit more and we can get them, you know, a jilted lover is there's no, there's no other hate like a jilted lover. So Maybe they can become wow. friends. Maybe they can come be- become friends and then we can kind of put a wedge between them. That's, that's my like long-term goal the wedge. at this point. There you go. Yes. Yeah. yeah. Uh, so we are, uh, we're answering, we're going to answer a bunch of questions this week. I'll talk a little bit about the Wyoming governor's cup was Jeff recapped like the results of that from, from last week. So yeah, what that match is you know i have there are some matches where i get really frustrated with stage design and things like that and there are other matches where i just view those matches as fun matches i don't i don't view them as serious matches and so i don't just i just don't get that upset about stage design at that point and and what they are what i was this is the first time i shot the wyoming governor's cup which is really like it's it's a pretty cool match they they often do a different format from year to year. I think next year, I think it's going to be a two gun match. It has been a three gun match. I'm pretty sure in the past. So these last couple of years, it's been USPSA. And so I actually, so I don't know what it'll be going forward, but um, so it's, it's kind of a, a unique match and what it was going in. I shot limited. And I did that for a reason because the average round count, roughly, I didn't do the actual math. The average round count was 40 rounds per stage. And so it's like, yeah, I don't want to take a single stat gun and be reloading to my six pouch every stage. I just don't yeah. want to do that. Uh, I did. There was a guy there that was fairly obviously newish to the sport, and he was shooting that match with a mil spec 45. Wow. I mean, like, like true mil spec, like tiny little sights, no beaver tail. I mean, like the old GI style beaver tail, which his hand has just been bleeding after that many rounds, and and it looked like he was shooting straight ball ammo, which is probably like 190 power factor. And uh, no, so no magwell, just like yeah, no magwell, no nothing. Nice. It was. It wow. was. That was. Uh, I get. I mean, give that dude props. Like that. That's legit. Hardcore right well, there. There
2: was like 15 people shooting single stack at that match.
1: There were quite a few. Yeah, there were quite a few guys shooting single stack. Uh, the guy that won Walt Pru, uh, that won single stack, he's the guy that is the – he works for the state of Colorado, but he's the guy that manages Cameo and Grand mm-hmm. Junction, the range there. So he, he shoots a lot of IDPA. He, does, he doesn't shoot a lot of USPSA typically, but his, his son was there. He had his son there, and so I think he kind of. There was a, a contingent of Grand Junction folks that that went out there, and a lot of them were shooting together and whatnot. So. Yeah. So yeah. So that. So that match. So what I was hoping going into that match, I was hoping that it was forty round stages, and that they were just massive state, like just huge, huge stages, like because they're on big bays. A lot of them are on rifle bays, and they have they have room. The bays were almost all of the bays were were quite big or at least or at least quite deep so you could make them long if you wanted to it's also what i was i was hoping it was just going to be ridiculous huge stages all the time lots of running lots of movement and and honestly what it what it really was is it was it was 40 rounds crammed into pretty small stages for the most part there were a couple a couple big ones but for the most part they were it was mostly just 40 rounds crammed into into small ones so what
2: was the lowest round count stage?
1: So there was there was one bay that had three three stages in it. You just shot them one after the other and that was I think one was 10 rounds, one was like 13 rounds and one was 14 rounds or something like that. So even so you, that bay you were still at basically 40 rounds for that bay. It was just technically broken up, but it was almost like strings cuz they were They were front to back in the base. You shot one, moved forward, shot it, shot the next stage, moved forward, shot the next stage.
0: Hmm.
1: So other than that, I think there there were a couple in like the 37 round, like 37 Hmm. rounds. I think there was one, like one there. Um, Probably one of the more interesting stages of the match, there was legit 75-yard shooting. Ooh. on the match so you had you had four targets that were spread out at 75 and they they kind of the stage centers kind of messed up when they set it up because they had you could shoot you could shoot them all from 75 and engage all four boxes you could run up to 50 yards so it's still a 25 yard run you could run up to 50 yards and you could still see all four from the same position you could run up yeah. to like 30 yards and there were two boxes that were probably 15 yards apart where you had to, you could only see two from each one, or you could run all the way up to like 12 yards. And there were four boxes, which all four boxes were 12 yards apart each and and engage them that way. So the, the time did not make sense at all to run all the way forward. And there were there were some legit strategies there. So I ended up, I shot it pretty well. There was actually really difficult shooting other than the the seven other than the four long targets there was a bunch of uh, zebras and hard covers that were at I don't know probably 20 yards I would guess they shot from the first shooting area so there was it was some legit shooting and so you had to kind of make a decision on What's the, what do you think the hit factor is going to be? And we kind of knew we, there had been some scores submitted. So the, when we shot it, like the high hit factor, at that point was around five. Okay. So, you know, at five, a miss is worth three seconds. So then the, the challenge is in how long is it going to take you to run from 75 yards to 50 yards? And then you have to engage, you have to shoot eight, you have to engage four targets. and if it takes you 6 seconds then you have to think that i can get i can do that better that i'm going to get more than two mics at 75 yards right if it's if it's 6 seconds and and so on so that's that was really kind of the the big thing and there was uh, eric steiner shooting open he shot it all at 75 and he had four mics on the stage and he still he, he, was, he was 11 seconds faster than I was. And I had a pretty decent run with one mic actually on the, not on the far targets, on a, on a close hardcover. cover. Ugh, bummer. Uh, but he had, he had four mics at the back targets, but he did it 11 seconds faster. So his 11 seconds, like he ate up all, all four of those mics just in time. Like it was hmm. worth the time. And he ended up with, I think, I think it was like a 5'9 hit factor. I was a four eight with, with a single miss, so I probably would have been in like the five two, five three. I did it in twenty-eight seconds. And yeah. so it there there was a legit strategy to just say I'm gonna be really fast at the back and and accept accept several misses and be okay with that because it the math would would play out. I had never shot an iron sided gun at 75 yards. I mean, Mm -hmm. I've probably had, I shouldn't say I've never, I have probably shot at a hundred yards before in the past, just messing around like, Hey, can I hit something at a hundred? But I've never like, I had practiced at 50. I had not practiced at 75. And so I was like, man, I have no idea. I don't know what my sight's going to look like at that distance. Like, will I see a target. I don't know what's going to, so I ran to, I ran to 50 and, and got all my hits at at 50, but that was, that was tough because that's a 25 yard run. Like you're, I mean, you're sprinting for 25 yards, and it's like, oh, hey, let's, let's try to nail down these targets at, at 50, uh, 50 yards. So that was, that was an interesting stage. Yeah. uh, That's pretty interesting. I almost, I almost wish the stage designers had not put the forward boxes and you had had Mm -hmm. no choice but to engage it at 75 yards. I think that would have been actually kind of cooler at that point. Because then everybody had to do it, and the interesting thing is there was no there was no back berm, so you could really, especially with the forty, maybe not with a nine, but like a round nose nine, but with the forty and the bullets that I shoot, you could very easily hear the whack when it hit paper. Like you, like oh really? Oh, I could I could audibly call. Like I think I I'm pretty sure I shot three at every target back there, but I went up there and. You know, the first target, you're still, the sight's moving all over the place. You're still, you're breathing hard and you just kind of start firing rounds because you got to limit a gun with a whole bunch of rounds. You start firing rounds and the first two were not as, were not as controlled of a split as I wanted to, but I heard, I heard it hit paper both times. Mm-hmm. And I still, I had already planned a third shot. So I was, I was going to shoot it anyway, but it was a little bit like, dad gum. I, I could have just planned on just calling it audibly and just shoot till I hear two hits and then move on, and I could have right. got away with it because I heard every hit that was there.
2: That's crazy. I don't think I've ever shot and been able to hear hits on paper.
1: Oh yeah, once you get once you get it like fifty yards and that distance, there's enough of delay, especially mm-hmm. if there's no back berm or the back berm's really soft. Uh, you, yeah, you won't hear. You'll hear the hit hit on paper. That's crazy which is is pretty fascinating cuz I was calling I was calling other shooters hits as far as how like misses and what targets yeah. they had misses on while they were shooting
2: right hmm.
1: and fairly accurately at that so yeah that it was it was a fun match I was glad I went uh yeah you, bob bob won limited he beat me by a large percentage uh i, I mean my takeaway from that match is is kind of what I thought it was gonna be. My practices, I've been really, consi- actually I've found a, a level of consistency in practices lately that's, that's been good uh, and accuracy. Uh, fundamentals are going well. And I was like, man, I'm, I may just not be pushing hard enough in practice. And, and, and that, was, that was really kind of what was brought to light shooting against Bob. There were some stages that I shot well and and didn't think there was a lot of meat on that bone, and he'd still put two seconds on me, mm-hmm. uh, and and so yeah, he he's shooting really well, but it 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 did very much confirm that hey, I've got to I got to be a little more uncomfortable in practice, and and I have been. I've had a couple of live fire sessions since I've been back. I haven't been able to get a lot in, A couple short like hundred round sessions, and yeah. yeah, just really pushing stuff. As much as I can. And the, you know, the, that's, that's going to be the challenge. Can I, can I maintain good fundamentals going faster? It's not just seeing faster. Part of that seeing faster. But can I maintain all the other fundamentals? Yeah. Right. Cause sometimes it just takes you. Uh, it's tough to push like that. Um,
2: mm-hmm. To make yourself go faster than you want to when things are going well. It's like, you're like, damn, I'm doing so good. This feels good. And then you get like, and I did this, I think I did this like a whole year, honestly, probably like, I don't know what year it was, but it was a whole year where I just like basically shot comfortable. And yeah. You just get complacent. Yeah. It's, you don't make any, you don't make any gains. You don't get any better right. shooting that way.
1: Right. And so uh, for me, like, like coming into this season, I I needed to get faster coming into the season as well, but I didn't have anything to give up to go faster. Like I, like I just, I couldn't even, I couldn't really even the quote unquote slow down and get your hits. Like even that wasn't there. Like, like the comfortable pace and be just really consistent. That wasn't there. I feel like I am at this point in the season. Like I'm at a point where I have something to sacrifice. Mm to go faster. Okay. And, and part of that's just uh, basically getting more comfortable being less sta- everything, being less stable. Like I, I'm, I don't have to be as stable as I am. I don't, I don't think it's over confirmation. It's just, it's just less stable. Uh, and the challenge for me is to not just go buck wild and just say, I'm just going to shoot fast and ignore everything else that I've been doing, but it's to try to just, it's try to just push the edge and still be, mm-hmm. and still do what I've been doing. That that's going to be the challenge for me if I can, yeah. if I can do that or not. We'll see. Yeah,
2: yeah, that's something I've kind of been working on the last few weeks since uh, since Area Four when we were looking at all the scores and the discord and and comparing the the timer with uh, the limited shooters and stuff and seeing mm-hmm. uh, that they were engaging steels and stuff quicker and uh, even even when they had a makeup they were able to to beat my time kind of deal because they were shooting sooner and making it up quicker than I could show yeah. up, get stable and make the shot so I've actually got some steel this year so this is the first time I've shot steel in practice in <laughs> I think a couple of years um, but so I've got some steel now like some 8 inch steels just round 8 inch steels. Anyway, so I've been working on that stuff, coming in shooting quick, making makeup quick, uh that kind of stuff and it did it adds a whole new speed to the the session. It, it was what it feels like, you know, Yeah. You're, yeah. It just adds a whole new speed to it. Um and it's been good building a lot of a lot of confidence on those shots by training that, so yeah. But it's along those it's along those same lines, you know. You're you're trying to to push something. You're trying to give up your your stability a little bit. Uh, those type of things.
1: Yeah, like, I think there are some people who can be fairly comfortable going at a pace of the people of the guys who are winning in this sport like that, like that can be comfortable for them. And some of those guys are for me, it's uncomfortable to go that pace. And so like, I, I'm going to have to push, push into that as much as I can. And, and hopefully do so in a way that my fundamentals don't fall apart. Mm. Uh, and then be able to push, push hard enough in practice that I have something to reel back in for matches and matches, I don't feel like I have to go my 100% pace just to be competitive.
2: Right. Just to be in the ballpark. Yeah.
1: Right. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's that's the goal. So we'll see if we can get there.
2: Nice. A uh, little tidbit here. I talked about it this morning uh, on my Discord update. But I've switched up my grip a little bit. And I got this new callus right here on my thumb. You can't see it. It's right there. Look at that bad boy. Never had a callus there before. New grip, new callus. Anyway, it's that's pretty interesting.
1: That's crazy to me that you've been in the sport long enough for you to completely change your grip in a way that mm-hmm. like it would, that you're finding like a new place for it to rub because maybe I just don't have enough stick to but I've messed with trying to change my grip before. And it's just like no freaking way. Like it just it is what it is at this point. Like there's no. Yeah. It's just like I, I'm not like changing. I'm I. It's just not happening.
2: Yeah, I've so been experimenting with the cool with the grip and and trigger press quite a bit in the last few weeks. So it's been really interesting. And some of it is sticking, obviously, because yeah. you have a callus in a place that I've never had a callus before on my hand. So yeah, that is pretty interesting yeah. after six years of shooting to have a brand new wear point on your hand. It's a little strange.
1: Yeah. Anyway. With not going to like a new gun, right? Yeah, right. that's yeah. That's pretty cool. So yeah, yeah, so Wyoming's cool. I freaking love the state of Wyoming. Uh, I spent a couple of days uh, fly fishing, I went over to Du Bois or Du Bois, however you want to say it. They say it Du Bois. French would be Du Bois. Uh, kind of went into the backcountry a little bit, as far back as I could drive. And uh, honestly, was just a little scared that I was going to get eaten by a grizzly bear for, for most of the time. Uh, but found some fish. I was able to catch some fish. And uh, so that was, <laughs> it was just that you was fun. by yourself? Yeah, by myself. Nice. I slept in the car. I, I will like I had a tent. Um my excuse for not sleeping in the tent one it was it was after dark by the time I quit driving and two the mos- I got out of the car and like immediately got swallowed up by mosquitoes and I mm-hmm. was like I do not want to I do not want to set a tent up and just have mosquitoes all night. Yeah. Because my tents a, it's a floorless tent so that like I couldn't I think they would have I think they would have got in uh, almost assuredly because they got in my freaking car but honestly <laughs> i slept in the car because because i was a little bit scared uh of, i didn't want to get eaten and yeah and fair i was way freaking back there so i slept in my car and that was not fun either but oh well we made it we survived caught some fish <laughs> that's cool Okay. Hey,
2: sounds fun yeah
1: all right, uh area three is our next upcoming match. Uh between yeah. Jeff and I are shooting it together. Uh this is honestly like this is a match that's kind of been circled on the calendar for a while. Uh this is this is our single stack raid. So we are encouraging anybody and everybody to shoot single stack of this match. We would love to just pump those numbers up as much as we possibly can just to Mm -hmm. kind of randomly have a match it's a little bit if you're shooting open nationals i would i would get why you would not want to shoot single stack basically a month before open nationals but otherwise if you're not shooting that match like it's far enough away from any of the other nationals or anything like that like that it you could shoot single stack and I don't think it would hamper your season in any sort of way. And it'd just be cool to have single stack, like just kind of like, Hey, why are there 40 guys shooting single stack at this match?
2: Yeah. And so a couple, a couple points to touch on here. If you're shooting CO or LO, you you got no reason to be shooting those this year anymore. So grab a single stack. Uh, Billy's in the comments here and says, just is Rock Island 1911 on Palmetto for 299 So go grab one of those. Go grab your yeah. Rock it's Island. It's like a throwaway gun. Throwaway gun. You could just leave it at the range. Um, yeah. Yeah. So no reason to be shooting CO or LO. Also, if you're shooting production, production is kind of dead. So you might as well shoot single stack anyway. So, again, go get you a 299 Rock Island, or a nice one, and just stay in the division because, you know. You know why? Yeah, um, but that's what we're doing. Area three, single stack raid. We haven't pumped it up enough, but you're going to be hearing about it every episode from here till then. Oh look, Mike is in.
1: <laughs> he says, "Keep the the rock island in your range bag in case uh, a bolt comes out of a fault line and nobody has a hammer. You can just use that rock island as a hammer to put that oh, he, to put yeah. that stake back in the ground." Really I, great that's there. legit to me. <laughs> yeah. So single stack raid. So yeah, sign up for single three. stack.
2: Do it because also uh, Jeremy and I are going to be there, and John McClain's is going to be there. So it will be at least three uh, single stack GMs. Is there we any got, other GMs?
1: Yep. Uh, I haven't looked at I haven't looked at uh, the squad list in the last yeah. probably month. So I don't. I haven't. I haven't looked to see who all signed up. Yeah. So yeah, it'd be and a classifier. It, ma- it'd be a. It'll cl- you'll count as a classification match, as far as I know. Having three GMs, that should that well, should be enough to, to make it. They have to
2: shoot within like ninety-five or ninety percent of each other, too.
1: Oh okay. Yeah, but well, it's
2: going to be good because the three of us are squatted together, and yeah, so we're going to have a good competition. Uh, getting some good match pressure before nationals going.
1: Yeah, that's, I'm, I'm really looking forward to that match. Yeah. Uh, the, there are other couple of reasons why I'm looking forward to that match. One, it is also race day, Saturday morning. We shoot in the afternoon on Saturday, Saturday morning before the match, Jeff mm. and I are finally going to have, we're going to throw down with our races. Uh, yes. I've been calling Jeff slow for a long time. Like it's been a it's been a long time since so I've been calling Jeff Slow. And he finally yeah. has acquiesced to a, a foot race. And it's what we're doing is we're doing a race at a hundred meters or hundred yards, four hundred yards, four hundred meters, sorry, and then sixteen hundred meters, so the mile. Uh so we'll get a we'll get a sprint, a medium distance race, and for Jeff a long distance race. <laughs> Oh God! It's mile. so long.
2: Dude. Oh, wow, it is so long. <laughs> uh,
1: so I think that'll be. I think that'll be interesting. I know Jeff has run at least a little bit. Yeah. Uh, in that, so trying, he, he he he'll be prepared. I think. Uh, uh, I don't think he re- has a chance at a mile. I I don't like. I think that's going to be tough for him. Right.
2: That I mean that's exactly what I want you to think, but. The uh, one of the interesting things is we're gonna do that Saturday morning, and then we're gonna go shoot. So we we might just accidentally create a whole new sport out of this, like
1: a duathlon
2: yeah. kind of deal, right?
1: Yeah, right? I think that's yeah. If other people want to come, like be involved in it, like that's fine. Mm-hmm. I'm I'm down yeah. with that. Yeah, I think some other people are going to be there. We got to
2: find a good track. I have not found a a track or a place to run yet. So, if you're listening and you're from around the area, Grand Island area, and you can you know of a good place, like a country road or an actual track, an actual track would be awesome because so uh, I was yeah. assuming
1: we were going to find a high school that had like a track and either we'll hot the fence or it'll probably be available was my guess. I hope that's
2: what I would love to do. That's what I want. Yes. That will also be good for the footage that we need to collect. Yes. On our project.
1: Yeah. Yeah. So that, so so the the race is interesting. I I don't think Jeff has a chance at a mile. Uh, Even, even if he just sucks it up and suffers, I don't think he has a chance at a mile but at a hundred i'm not a fast i'm not a super fast sprinter so i think jeff definitely has a chance that like he could definitely i don't i really don't know if he's fast in short distances like if it's a yeah. if it's lord of the if it's lord of the rings dwarf kind of thing like if he's yeah. if he's fast over if he's a natural born sprinter he might be well let's i am not let's
2: give some stats real quick all right so like what's what's your total height in seam
1: Give us some measurements. Give us some stat and weight. 6'2, uh, one, 175 to 180. That's, you know, that always okay. fluctuates, right? Uh, uh, 34 or 36. Okay. In seam. Gotcha.
2: Okay. So I actually haven't weighed in several weeks, but I am 5'11. Last time I checked, about 190 and 34,
1: 34 agency. Okay. Yeah. So, yeah, I I should definitely in a longer distance, I should beat Jeff. I have more of a runner's build than Jeff does. I mean, that's that's just fair, right? Like, that's not, I'm not throwing shade. If this was a squatting competition, I'm losing every time. I didn't, there's a reason why I didn't challenge Jeff to who could squat the most. Like that's just, <laughs> I'm gonna lose that. Uh, I
2: did but, try to throw in like a, a 225 deadlift max reps at the end of the oh run.
1: <laughs> I don't even know if I could get one. Like honestly, legit, I don't know if I could do one. I've never. I don't know. I don't think I've ever deadlifted 225 pounds in my life. So, I have no idea. <laughs> it's going to be a good race either way. So, yeah. So, I think I will get the mile. The 100, I have no idea. And a yeah, 400 yeah. is a distance that you could legit just, like, somebody can just suffer that. Like, if they're willing to suffer, they can suffer through a 400 and lay down a pretty solid, pretty salty time there. Right. So, then I even think if I'm going
2: to be suffering in the 400.
1: I mean, yeah, you're gonna you're gonna be huffing and puffing, uh, for sure. Yeah, it depends. Well, it depends on how hard you push me, I guess.
2: Yeah, that that's true. You might be able to lay up and win it.
1: That's true. Well, I, I don't. I really don't know. I don't. Th- I don't think so. I think you're gonna have enough adrenaline going. You're probably gonna take all sorts of pre workout. You oh you for got those, sure. You got those smelling salts that you're probably gonna be like. Yeah. You're gonna hit them like 200 yards into the 400. You're probably gonna hit some smelling salts. <laughs>
2: Yeah, yeah, I'm just gonna
1: carry it with me. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, so it it so then at that point Jeff could like Jeff could legitimately win if he wins two out of the three races, which we haven't defined what is winning or not. It, yeah. But I I guess if if somebody wins two out of the three, then that's kind of game over. Yeah. So
2: well, maybe that'll we be it interesting. Like, we could combine the running with the actual match, right? Like. Maybe the match also counts for one
1: well then that's a four that could be a four that could be a two two tie
2: yeah, yeah, if you won the mile and won the match, then it would be a draw okay <laughs> <laughs> uh
1: I think there will be an audience there i at least know of of at least one person or two I don't know at least two people that will be there to witness the race, so if if we can get. If we can get uh logistics and we know where it will be it'll be early in the morning saturday yeah before uh, breakfast yeah bef- that's the plan we're gonna we're gonna go run we're gonna get up we'll go run and then we'll go eat breakfast and then we'll go destroy each other on the range yeah it'll be great be awesome. my so my goal is to have yeah area three is a huge deal uh, my goal is to have Jeff drink as many margaritas as possible Friday night. Mm. Like if I can, if I mm. can accomplish that and like, if we can kind of redo, if you can kind of pull off what some other friends of ours that we visited Friday night before area three last year, if we can get you to pull that off, that would be ideal. And that they were up quite late uh, indulging in some, some whiskey and some bourbon.
2: All right. I don't think it's going to happen.
1: Probably not. I probably won't
2: drink. I probably won't drink at all.
1: Oh, that's not even fair. <laughs> I okay, gotta give myself other...
2: every edge I can, man. Okay. Hey, yeah.
1: yeah I. I say go for it. I say go for it uh the the other the other thing that is truly why area 3 is exciting this year this this is really what we want to pump up and and put out we have jeff has his little money pot right like jeff has been collecting mm-hmm. money from every miserly way that he can possibly milk money out of people he's been doing that and you guys have been aware of this uh he's the loot <laughs> goblin as billy says uh he is the loot <laughs> goblin and <laughs> and Jeff actually did not spend that on his crack house. The guy, that's that's what I think everybody's assumed. He was spending all that money on his crack house. He he has not. Uh, yeah. He has actually uh squirrelled it away and so we we have we have some money and so our plan is we have hired a what would you what would you call him Jeff? Uh
2: he's a I guess like a media producer.
1: Okay. Media producer, videographer. Yeah. That uh, would be good. That would be good. Okay. Okay. We, we've hired a videographer to come and basically we're going to just, we want to create a video surrounding the match and product professionally produced and, and create that. We really wanted to do it for nationals. That was really our goal. And the guy that is doing this for us, he simply could not do that week. It just was not a possibility. There's absolutely zero way he could do it. so area three was was Spec's next best thing. yeah yeah so what yeah, Jeff, what be... do you have envisioned for that video
2: um so it's it's probably going to be a fifteen to 20 minute production. It'll be released on the YouTube's on the podcast page. Um, It's really tough to say what what the structure is going to be because I don't really have a way that I wanted it that I pitched it to him. Uh, I Mm -hmm. just kind of told him we're doing this match. Uh, I kind of gave some examples of uh, other people having videos produced on like you know road to nationals or uh, road to this big competition and they kind of they document the whole journey whether it's like day of or weeks leading to now we're not we're not planning on doing like weeks leading to um as we get closer i don't know that that could change i don't know he might he might want us to do some individual b-roll footage uh, by ourselves but he's going to be traveling with us, lots of footage, footage the whole time, putting it all together, making you feel something. He was really excited uh, about making a video that, like, made you feel something, um, so it's, it's going to be a bit more than just, like, this is what USPSA is um, kind of deal. <clears throat> yeah, so... I don't know exactly know what the format is going to be, but, uh, I know the the guy doing it. I know how talented he is. I know how passionate he is. And I am super excited about what we're going to be able to, to bring to the space because as far as I know, this will be one of the first pieces of media or video produced of this kind for shooting matches for shooting competitively. Um, I, I kind of imagine it in like what, like a really well-made um, documentation of like a hunting trip might be, something mm-hmm. like that. But I really don't know. I mean, it, I kind of left the the script open for him as far as what he wanted to, to make, uh, just from other stuff that I've I've seen him do. So we'll see what happens, but I know it's going to be good. It's going to be it.
1: yeah you know so my kind of my hope for the video and i haven't talked with the guy at all just the only one that's talked to him my hope for the video is that it's it is nothing like the majority of match videos that are out there which are simply here is my stage one through stage 12 and yeah. and here's how i finished right like that's that's really kind of the majority of it of it is and those those are fine like those are those have great value uh those are those are great and those are normally just self-produced right uh i hope that i hope that it's a good race for us at, at like I, I hope that that's what mm-hmm. it is like there, that the competition is really kind of that there is this race going on and there's that competition i hope that that's part of it but maybe it's one of us just stomps the other one and it's almost chronicling uh one person getting upset, frustrated, mad, whatever. And one person just reveling in glory uh, and just, yeah, <laughs> it's just that's, chronicling that, yeah, yeah. you know, that's kind of
2: the open end of the script, right? It's like, we can say we want to make this video, but we, we don't know how the match is going to go. We don't know right. how the weather's going to go. We don't know how our health is going to go. We don't know if Jeremy's going to pull a hammy during that race. Yeah. You know, Anything could happen, but whatever happens, it's going to make a great story. It just is.
1: Yeah, I think so. I think it'll be, I'm going to be cool. Uh, there's some things that I could see going wrong that I just don't want to jinx ourselves and, and say them. There's some things I could see going wrong that would be, that would be not, not great. But like having John McClain on our squad. Like we have an we have a really great squad. So I think that's, yeah. I, I look forward to that. Like, like there's going to be some, some great, some great B roll and stuff, stuff like that going. Uh, so I, I really look forward to that, that stuff as well, which, which should be great. Mm-hmm. So yeah, yeah. Be looking forward to that for when that comes out. I don't, you know, obviously we don't know when, I don't know, I don't know what turnaround time will look like on that, but, but we'll be talking about that and hopefully that will be, be something cool that comes out.
2: Yeah, I would probably, I mean, I don't imagine it'll take a super long time. I could be wrong. I know that the the guy doing it, he does a lot of side gigs. So I know he knows how to crank out uh, media. Like he, he knows how to finish products and get them to the market kind of deal. So if I had to guess, I would look for it. Uh, at the end of August or sometime in September.
1: Yeah, that'd be, I think that'd be fantastic if we could get it, get it out there with that. That'd be, that'd be great. So yeah, so yeah Area three, it's going to be busting. <laughs> All right, Jeff, listener questions. We've got a few of those We'll we'll get to tonight.
2: Yes, but first... Let's do uh, shout-outs and Shooter's Connection. Yes. Uh, Uh, Go ahead. Go
1: ahead. uh, The show is sponsored. I'll do the Shooter's Connection. The The show is sponsored by Shooter's Connection. They have one of the greatest sponsors in our sport. They sponsor hundreds of matches every year. They have almost anything you need product-related. They have it. I uh, actually have an order that I need to finish placing. I need to get. I want to get some of those. I think Double Alpha makes them, like the dry fire mags. I think they're like mm-hmm. purple, right? That they're like they're weighted yeah. like a full mag would be. Uh, I I dry fire my shop that has concrete floors, and so it just it destroys other. It destroys real mags. Like they're just going to get destroyed, and then and rounds pop out and fly out. So I actually want to try some of those those Double Alpha dry fire mags, and. I'm pretty sure they, I haven't looked. Last time I looked, they, they had them. So I need to look and make sure they still have them. But of course you need pasters and all the consumables. They have those parts for your guns. They have them same day shipping. They're super fast with that. They support the sport. We should support them. And there's a link in our description that uh, helps show them that you heard about them through us, which helps us out a lot. If you could use that.
2: Yes, sir. And now for shout-out. We got a shout-out from the one Billy McScrublord. Whoa!
1: We got As a new re-
2: Patreon tier two? He has rejoined the shout-out crew and is listening live now. And he's, he's typing. Okay, here we go. Shout-out to the number one. Joel Park fanboy Instagram account Mac and Pood. It's me. I am Joel Park's number one fanboy. <laughs> oh, he also he say, also says I was the OG pay piggy, which is true. He was the the first person in uh, our tier two Patreon. So Billy, in here is as true. always uh, supporting us. We do appreciate it, Billy. Mm-hmm. And all all you. Patreon folks, just so you know, like those funds are going towards this video production and they're going towards paying for software that we desperately need to keep doing this. So thank you all for your support very much.
1: Yeah. If anybody wants to just like help support the video. Like you could you could send Jeff money. He actually will put that towards the video. It won't all go to his crack house, uh, but like you could just join the the Patreon tier one or tier two. Either one. The tier one is I think two dollars a month to join our Discord, which is I I, en- I enjoy the Discord. There's there's lots of really valuable content in there. There's also a lot of just entertaining com- content in there as well. Uh, so if you want to, but if you want to support the video, if you want to see more stuff like that in the future, that is a way that we can help. Hopefully it's going to be awesome, but that's a way that you could help help make that happen in the future.
2: Yep. Yes. So thanks everybody that does support us. We do appreciate it. And we do try to do good things, productive things with the money. It's not being Mm -hmm. blown. I'm not putting it in my pockets. Um, not using it to get to matches. Uh it's all going back into the podcast. It's it's going into to the hats that we put out. It's going into pretty much it's all going into this video at this point because that stuff costs money.
1: Yeah. Were there any other patrons it. I didn't hit. He- I didn't see John no, them with anything. No more Patreon shout outs. All right, questions.
2: Let's do it. All right, here we go. So, I I said we were going to be recording tonight in the uh, in the Discord, and someone mentioned that we should probably answer questions cuz some of these are <laughs> a year old. And they're not wrong. This one that we're answering is from August 1st last
1: year. It's almost That's not a year quite a year. Old not a year
2: <laughs> not a year doesn't count that's right uh all right so we're just gonna j- jump through some of these and see what happens how much time we got now yeah. oh damn we're already 45 minutes in yeah all right uh advice on choosing a gun i've gone back and forth between a shadow 2 Walther q5 sf And now a Beretta 92X Performance. I like all three, but need to decide on one to focus and practice on. Did I mention I also have a PDP that is
1: pretty sick? Help. Uh, Mike in our chat says clearly the answer is a 1911. I agree with Mike. Clearly the correct answer would be a 1911. Uh, for me personally, if I was choosing between those three guns, it'd be a Shadow 2. Like that. That's just what I would go with between those three. Mm, really? Yeah.
2: Yeah. But what would you. Be... <laughs> yeah. Okay. Because you. Yeah. But what would your be advice to just anybody on choosing a gun?
1: Like they're just like totally new to the sport. So it's almost any gun, any division.
2: Or like. Yeah, but like what, what thing, what metrics do you use to choose a gun?
1: Uh, in all honesty, like I would probably, if somebody, if I knew somebody was getting in the sport, they didn't have just tons of money. Uh, if, if money is no option, then just go straight custom gun, right? Like, forget all the rest of it. Let's just go, let's just jump in with both feet and, and build a custom gun. But, I would I would steer people probably pretty hard towards the canic steel frame. I haven't heard anything bad about the steel frame version yet. Sometimes maybe there can be a, a challenge jumping from polymer to steel just in your engineering. I have not heard anything about them having issues with the steel frame. And like that's a gun where you can take I assume that you can get it optics ready. I don't I don't even own one of these guns, but I assume you can get it optics ready where you can go production. To carry optics or limited optics, whichever one you want, simply by changing out the the rear sight plate, or you just buy two different guns one one irons, one carry optics. I think there's if you go straight carry optics, there's an, you're hitting a little bit of an easy button, right? Like like you you have tons of rounds, like pen, missing on steel is not a huge penalty. You don't really have to learn how to aim a whole lot because the dot does that for you. And so you get it like you're, you kind of get an easy button into that. At the same time, you can learn a lot of speed and a lot of efficiency with a dot. That's, that's going to take a lot longer with the, with irons. So you could, you could take a gun like that and you could jump back and forth between irons and dot if you wanted to within the first few years. I'm not talking about doing that every week, but within the first few years, you could have a gun that would be very easily competitive in both. It doesn't seem like you have to do a lot to the mechanics to make them really nice. Like some, mm-hmm. a little bit of work on the trigger from what I've seen. Uh, you can make a really nice gun with, with a little bit of work on the trigger and and have a really, really nice gun.
2: Yeah. Um. So picking a gun, if you've tried all those guns um you have all those guns. I would I mean, I would probably choose the one that was the most reliable, meaning you've you've done some searching and and talking to people and you know that these guns break the least amount from from guns. and then secondly, I would look at like ergonomics and be like which ones fits your hands the best. Which one is most conducive to fitting your grip? Everybody grips a pistol a little bit different. Grip, grip modules, and grips are all built a little different. So, which one, which one fits the best? Which one do you not accidentally uh, hit your slide release or or mag release? Um, those things. So take those into account. Um, of of those guns, I think. I think the Walters, I've heard the least amount of breakages from. Uh, you hear a lot of issues with Shadow 2s, I think. I hear a lot of issues with Shadow 2s breaking. I see a lot of Shadow 2s choking. But that could be because people are jacking with them. You don't really know.
1: The Shadow 2s um, have really tight chambers. like, And the, ax- and the barrels are, are harder than a file. Like, I've... I've had a couple in the shop that people wanted me to ream it and I put a reamer in and it starts eating the reamer. And I'm like, Oh, I'm not, I'm not going to destroy a $150 reamer just to fix one barrel. Yeah. And, and so then I try to like file the, the ramp just to just to make that breakover a little bit easier on them. And it literally ate a file even. It's so, like the barrels are incredibly hard and the chambers are really tight. And so, yeah, if you're, if your reloads are not spot on, perfect and consistent every time you're going to have issues with the shadow too. Yeah. Like that. They are accurate guns. Like you, you do get, like there's a reason why they they're making them this chambers that tight, Yeah, but there's our sport doesn't require chambers to be that tight, quite frankly.
2: Right. Yeah. So shadow shoes, I see a lot of them choking. Uh, sig seem to be having a lot of issues recently i would have
1: yeah the sig 320 or the 320 x5 legion like that would have been a gun that i would have have been recommending but there does seem to be a rash of the guns are coming apart whatever there's been obviously there's been lots of youtube debates and social media debates on what's causing it and honestly i haven't really yeah Dove in. I haven't really dived in. Dove in. diving in. Dove. I haven't really dove D- in. Right. <laughs> Sorry. Went down a went down a rabbit hole. Uh, I haven't really <laughs> dove in on on what's what's causing those things, but there is an issue with with them for some reason that they're like they're coming apart. Like the gun is coming apart, and so that I can't really recommend. I actually have one that I would like to sell. I've never shot it. Uh, and now it's kind of like crap, I don't even know if I don't even know if I can sell this thing anymore um but yeah,
2: yeah, not to say there aren't ones firing just fine. There's probably people out there that have never had any issues that have five of them. Yes, that's fine. Yeah. I'm just going off of the news I see within the sport, people that shoot a lot of bullets, a lot of rounds, what I see, so. That's what I'm going off of here. Um, so I probably stay away from SIGS. Uh, Walter Q5SF. I don't like the grips. They're short. Doesn't work for my hand. I don't have huge hands. I have like, I have large hands, meaning I wear a large size glove. Um, a bit too small for me. 92X Performance. Also seems like those are not built out for the abuse. um, so
1: yeah, those, those aren't made to, to go the long, the distance.
2: Yeah. Things I've seen a lot of positive things of the PDP seen a lot of positives on the PDP seen a lot of positives on both the polymer and steel canic. Um, I did hear from one person that they were seeing issues. They did I don't remember what the issues they said they were with the steel frame canics. But oh, okay. that's the only person, just one person, that I've heard said uh, that about the canics. Uh, Billy says canic oh. steel frame over insertion issue, so maybe they don't don't have a way to stop the magazine from over insertion when you change the base pad or something. Um, Which
1: Henning Hening has a new base pad out that solves that. Uh, okay. he, he has a Henning Hening group has a, he has a video out now of, of his new base pad this solves that issue. And so if Henning, if Henning says he's got it solved, I would believe Henning say that he's got it solved.
2: Yeah. So, and I'm, I'm not telling you what gun to pick. I'm just telling you, I'm going through my process, right? I don't want a gun that's going to blow up. I don't want a gun that's going to choke and, and snap parts all the time. Uh, I want a gun that's just going to run and run and run and people love it. and It's super reliable and they can't make it quit. Um, so I'm thinking about all that and those are the guns I'm going to try to see if I can shoot them. I'm not even going to try the other ones cause I don't want to mess with it. I don't want to have to buy a gun every six months or something like that. You know,
1: um, anyway, that's how I would pick a gun. Yeah, I know some really, really good ideas. Uh, and, a, and another gun, I hate these guns. I would never shoot one cause I hate them. Try Glock. If a Glock, some people shoot Glocks really, really well. If a Glock fits you and you like it, then go with the freaking Glock and don't, don't go Gucci Glock route. Don't, don't mess with Glocks. Factory Glocks work. When you start jacking with Glocks, the design Mm -hmm. doesn't, it fails at that point. But if you, if you can shoot a Glock well, then go with that. Uh, There's no, there's no, no reason not to.
2: Another gun that I really want to see some people shooting, because I want to see how it works and if it's going to break and hold up, is that new Springfield Echelon. Yeah. Looks kind of like a Glock, got the grip kind of like a PDP, uh, has a proprietary optics system, what looks like a pretty nice trigger, trigger module, so they're going to have lots of grip options. So I'm I'm ready to see some abuse testing on that bad boy
1: yeah yeah that'll be that'll be cool to see how that how that plays out That's gonna take a you know probably a few years yeah uh mm-hmm. for us to really kind of see see that happen but yeah that one'll be interesting one to watch
2: all right next question what maintenance should I do for my shadow two beyond cleaning it to keep it reliable? I only have one right now, so if it goes down, then I'm toast at a match well okay.
1: Uh, you know, I don't know if this is a shadow two issue. I know this was a, I know this was like an SPO one issue slide stops break on those. Yeah. And, and I, th- I think the, sh- I think the shadow two still is that, so you may, you may have, if you only have one buy a backup, buy a secondary slide stop, make sure it works mm-hmm. well in the gun and then maybe put the new one in for a match. Cause you don't want to have one, have a catastrophic yeah. failure in the middle of a stage at a match. Uh, Mm -hmm. that's what I would be. I would for sure be looking at and then, and then stay on top of your springs at at that point, stay on top of your springs, uh, stuff like your extractor spring and things like that. Like if your extractor spring fails, you're, you're kind of in trouble. So that sort of stuff, again, I don't, I don't shoot shadow two. So I'm not a great person to, to, to ask about this stuff, but like the trigger return spring is something that's, you end up with a dead trigger that triggers turn spring breaks. So if you're dry firing a lot, you're putting a lot of stress on that trigger return spring. So maybe have a, have a fresh one to put in for a match or a week, couple weeks before a match type deal. That would probably be a good, good idea.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, I would say, I mean, it's a full metal gun, so I'd keep it wet. I mean, I, my 1911s, yes. I oil, Every single time I pick it up, dry fire, live fire, doesn't matter. Like, I pick it up, I put oil in it. A full metal gun, I would put oil in it all the time. And also, like Jeremy said, those those parts that are notorious for breakage, uh, put a freshie in when it counts. Um, I would do that with my mechanics when I was shooting those because not because they had notorious parts, but I broke two firing pins, dry firing. Um, so once I did that, I was like, okay, well, I don't want that to happen in a match. So then I had match firing pins and I would just, before I'd shoot a match, I'd put the match firing pin in and go shoot the match. And when I was done, I'd take it out. I put my dry fire firing pins back in. Um, so just be conscious of stuff like that. Guns that have parts that are known for for breakage and and wear lots of oil spare parts and get a spare gun as soon as you can
1: yeah yeah spare gun is a good a good way to, a gun is a even even expensive guns are still the cheap part of our sport like that yeah true that's that's the cheap part of our sport so mm-hmm. don't don't have a plan to just only ever have one gun Your plan, you should be planning on if you're going to be involved in the sport for any sort of long term and any sport of high level. Your plan should be you should have some plan in place to be getting another gun.
2: Yeah, yeah. All right. I'm looking for one more
1: good one here. One more.
2: All right. Let's just go ahead and do this one because old Fitz asked this one before um, off season last year. (laughs) What are your plans for the off season? So not only can we answer it, but we can actually tell you what we did in the off season because we already did it. So it's, it's almost perfect that we waited to answer this question.
1: It is perfect. Uh, I, I, I snow skied a few times. I tried to do that as much as I could. Uh, I shot Western States single stack match in February. So that to me, that's hundred percent middle of the off season. So I, you know, I, it was kind of just to go again. uh, We talked about early about fun matches, serious matches, not a serious match. And, uh, you know, so it kind of got me, it got me thinking at at least kind of thinking about shooting in the middle of my off season, which was, was good. Um, I actually will say I haven't, I'm pretty sure I haven't talked about this on this show. So, you know, we had Ozarks in March and they really have didn't have I didn't have a match until this match here in Casper in, in this Governor's Cup. And so really kind of a lull in the season. And and this this season's going late because Ipsic Nationals are basically Thanksgiving. Yeah. Right. So this is gonna be a long season. So I actually kind of had an off season in the middle to where what I did was I still shot like I still went and shot live fire on my normal routine of shooting live fire, which right now is a couple times a week. That's, you know, may, sometimes maybe three, uh, but usually kind of a couple of times a week, but I just didn't, I did zero dry fire. It was, it was just, Hey, I'm going to, I'm going to still be in this, still shoot in training, but I'm going to kind of take a break from the, from the, I'm going to do more of the fun stuff and take a little bit of a break from the, kind of the stuff that's, that's not as fun, which to me is the dry fire part. And, and that way I can kind of hopefully extend my interest in the season. And that was actually really good. Uh, In all honesty, I think there were some really good dividends because for me, I have always been the one who, my plan for preparation for anything, whether this was playing a trumpet, whether this is shooting competition, whether this is doing anything, is your preparation should be to remove any sort of excuse that you could ever come up with. If there's if there's something that could be an excuse, you should remove that from the equation, some way, somehow. That's that's how you get prepared for something, and so I, that's how I've always that's how I've always trained for USPSA. And so the the challenge with that is is it dry frying all the time? Just constant dry frying, doing all of that. You almost got to a sense where it's like, if I don't do this preparation, if I don't get the dry fire in, if I don't get lots of reps in and all this, then I can't even perform at all. Mm -hmm. Like I, it's like, it almost becomes like, I have to get this in in order to be able to perform. And match day, that's often just, you can't, like, it's just just hard, it's just much harder. You're traveling your hotel, a bunch of people in a hotel, or, or wherever you're at early, really early, you know, start shooting at seven o'clock or something. And it's a 45 minute drive, you know, just oftentimes you can't get that in. And it was actually kind of cool from a perspective. like, Hey, I can still perform at a really high level and not have touched a gun for four days and still just come out first day, first stage, set up a stage and run it and still shoot at a really high level. And so that was actually a a kind of a a good confidence booster from that, from doing that, which was, which was cool to see. Mm -hmm.
2: Yeah. I like that. Um, Off season for me, I will usually like, Usually, well, after like the biggest match of the year, which is usually like the end of the m- season, right? Like your biggest match is usually the last match or close to it. Uh, I'm usually really motivated to train after that match. So, even though it's like I'm going in the off, technically it's off season, I allow myself to continue to train until I feel like I don't want to. I don't. I don't make myself quit. Um, so that's kind of my taper off technique. Um, yeah, I allow myself to, to dry fire as long as I want to, if I want to keep getting up at four and dry fire. And, uh, if I want to only do it one day a week, uh, anyhow, it tapers off as the holidays come in and the weather gets colder, things like that. It Without a doubt, if I don't have something to train for, it will taper off naturally. Um, so I do that and then, um, I basically, like, don't, I will not touch the gun for, I don't know, it could be, It sometimes the off-season's long, longer than it should be, it, it could be 3-4 months, I just don't touch it, um, sometimes I regret that, but honestly, like, once I get in the zone of training again, it doesn't take Long and I really saw it this year Because I came into this season like Pretty hungry Like I want to get good quick kind of deal And it was like you know Eight weeks or something and I was feeling Really freaking good um, So I'm not too worried about that now But yeah I will not touch the gun From sometimes it's September October till March February March something yeah. like that uh, usually, I let the time change dictate my off season. So, usually, like when the time changes in November, I stop shooting. I stop like going midweek midweek training because it's too dark. I can't do it anyway. Mm-hmm. And then when the time changes back in March, I can start doing it again. So, kind of the time change dictates when I can actually live fire. Yeah. Aside from on the weekends, but um. And then other than that, like I just work out more because I'm still going to get up at four o'clock, like all, all year. But now instead of having 45 minutes to get a workout in, I've got an hour and 45 minutes to get a workout in. So I can do a lot more, uh, other things if I want to work on some calisthenics moves or I can work on trying to make a big beefy deadlift or squat or something like that. You know, I just... I find different things to work on, but I'm still going to get up and move and work on something. Um, yeah, that's probably the main stuff. It's also really great for, uh, finances take, to take a break (laughs) from traveling and shooting a bunch. Right. Yeah. Imagine the expenses we'd have if we did this all year long. Right.
1: Oh gosh. Yeah.
2: It'd be rough. So that's kind of my thoughts on the off season. Mike asked us a question in the chat here. Is there a benefit of taking a break mentally and physically or do y'all just take a couple months off cuz of weather?
1: Uh I mean yeah the the weather is a, a big thing here because it's like it's like you wake up. It's like, yeah, even if I wanted to go, sh- even if, even if I wanted to shoot, the weather makes it such, I don't actually want to go shoot. Like, that's not going to be fun. That's going to be miserable. Uh, so the weather certainly has that effect. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, and th- honestly like this, the, the benefit of taking a break for some people, there's a massive benefit in just being able to put the gun away. And for some, some of those people, it's only three, four weeks like it's only like a month long break and then they're up and they're, you know, yeah. they're dry firing and doing whatever, just like crazy. Uh, it, it kind of depends on where you're at in your career. In all honesty, if you're new to this sport, like you're hungry. Like, as, I, I feel like that's kind of, to me, I think for most people, that's like the first three years almost like, no, I don't take a break. Just keep going. Like you're hungry. Like you're seeing gains. Like, I think you're actually at it. You're actually kind of at a, a detriment to take a break at that point There's a certain point where you, where you're shooting will plateau like that. That's just, it's just going to happen. There's, you can only get so good and, and, it, and it will plateau. And that may not mean that you're not still incrementally getting better. It's just the, the gains are much, much, much smaller. And at that point, taking a break, your plateau's not going to change. Like you're not, you're not losing ground. Like J- Jeff kind of talked about how it didn't take him long to get back. Uh, oftentimes what I, what I find is that a break actually can help you. It just kind of helps you to be able to reset and take a fresh look at your shooting. And cause sometimes you get stuck in a rut, like I'm trying to fix this. I'm trying to fix this, trying to fix this. And sometimes a couple of months off you come back and you kind of just get back to, you're not trying to fix that. You're just trying to shoot again and you're not trying to fix problems. And sometimes that can be really helpful.
2: Yeah, uh, I think the mental break is is pretty important, like Jeremy said, once you get a few years in. Uh, I don't think I took any sort of off-season, at least the first two years. Uh, third year, I think I did. Or after the second year, I think I did. Um, but, yeah, big uh, mental break for sure. Gives you Gives you some time to just to think about something else, you know, to, to channel your your drive or your discipline towards something else for a little while. Um, yeah. It's kind of like you like you beat your head against the wall um, for so long and, and the wall doesn't move. You're just like, mm-hmm. why am I doing this kind of deal? It's like, well, let's, let's go beat our head on the desk for a while. And then we'll come back to the wall and see if the wall moves in a couple months. I don't know, kind of, kind of that mentality, but, oh, I had something else I was going to say,
1: damn it. Well, what you're thinking of that for for me, the shooting becomes cyclical and then it, it becomes a, it, it becomes, you, you start viewing it as seasonal, like, Hey, this, I have this season and it's okay like you have the kind of the ramp up period at the beginning of it. You kind of have the, the getting back to the competitive part. And then you really have the ramp up to try to, as Jeff said, hopefully your biggest match of the year is at the end of your season. And you're, you're trying to ramp up to that. And it's, and it becomes kind of this seasonal thing that you're, that you're trying to do. And you really kind of viewing your shooting, at least, at least I kind of do this. I view my shooting as a seasonal thing. In that it's mm-hmm. it's like, what what am I going to be able to bring to this year's season? I'm not I'm not going yeah. to say look into next year's season. I'm not necessarily looking as an overall career. It's just what can I get? What can I get done this season?
2: Yeah, it's also nice from and so a family perspective, right? If you mm-hmm. can, you're you're planning stuff for the holidays and everything. Like, you your mind complete completely absent. Of shooting and scheduling. It's just like, I'm all here. I have all my attention. I'm not shooting nothing. Plan away. Let, let's go. Uh, so that's really nice from a, a family perspective. And then my final thought on it is a little non-conventional, I think. So You you may have heard someone else talk about this. I don't think I have. But when I take breaks, I almost view it as a chance to forget bad habits and also to come back with fresh eyes. Um, So me being someone who didn't do a lot of uh, reading, I guess, studying, I did a lot of like listening and watching in shooting. um, But a lot of like my shooting development came from me just figuring out what works for me. Um, so taking some time off always allows me to come back with kind of like a fresh perspective. Like I get to figure it out again, kind of deal. And you're kind of building on, on your past uh, experience, but hopefully you're better at figuring it out this time because you've got some experience on you. Mm -hmm. Um, you just kind of build on it, but it does kind of give you that opportunity to discover new things because you give your time yourself time to forget the old things.
1: Yeah. Yeah, Kind of piggybacking off of that and, and we'll be, we'll be, at least I'll be done. Uh, My experiments tend to be seasonal, like season long. Like it's, you know, you kind of, you come into a new year, you think, okay, what have I, what did I really, what do I really want to do better than I've done in the past or than I did last year? What was an issue from last year or whatever? And so then you kind of go into a, okay, I really want to, I really want to make sure just that I'm crushing the gun. And that's going to be my focus all season, that I just absolutely crush the gun. And so then you kind of have this focus and this experiment and you, you commit almost a whole season to it. And sometimes that season's good. Sometimes that season's maybe not as good as you want it to be. And you, you kind of have, you kind of get to the next year kind of look back on what you were experimenting with, what you were trying with. Like Jeff was talking about, he's got a new grip on how he's gripping the gun this year. Yeah. He's going to, he's kind of got to play that out for at least this whole season to see, Hey, does this work? And, you know, by the end of the year, he'll kind of, he'll have a good idea. Was that, did that help me shoot better at the end of the year or did that not? And he can know if he needs to keep fiddling with that or, or what he wants to do for the next season, and so I—that's I, at least how I think in terms. I don't know if that's good or not. That's just how I do, how I think.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, like historically, sports science would tell us like you pick the technique or you pick the thing that the most successful person is doing, and that's what you do. Um, but in this sport, it's it's a little bit different because we don't have like sports scientists so much that are breaking down those techniques a whole lot for us. I mean, there's a couple, like I would consider Ben pretty much a, a sports scientist of this sport. Like he's mm-hmm. breaking that sure. shit down and reanalyzing different grips, techniques, training, all that all the time. Um, but yeah. there's not a lot of people doing that. Uh, so we do it for ourselves, kind of like Jeremy is saying, and you pick something and you practice it and you try it and well, that was a failed experiment. Try again next year kind of deal.
1: Man, it'd be so great if I had a coach and I could just blame a coach when I sucked. Like, dude, I've been doing right. everything you've told me and it still didn't work. Yeah, find somebody else. <laughs> yeah, find a new coach. That'd be awesome. I wish we had coaches. Be great. <laughs> yep. All right, well, thank you for the questions. Guys, if you do have listener questions, We will get to them at some point Uh, if they're time sensitive. If they're time sensitive, your best bet for us to answer them is to be in the Discord and to ask them in the Discord almost every week before we record. Jeff sends out a message asking for questions. Uh, That's your best bet if you have a time sensitive question is to put it live in the Discord. Otherwise, you can just send us questions and we will get to them sometimes quickly. Sometimes it might take a little bit. But we'll get to them.
2: Yeah, we'll get to them.
1: Yeah. So, thank you guys for listening. Uh, Like, comment, subscribe, all that stuff. And we will talk to you guys later.
2: Peace.